good. How's everybody alive and well? And a good Sunday morning. Isn't it great to be in church, honoring and praising God? Today I want to talk a little bit about letting the truth of God hug you and transform you. How important that actually is to let the Word of God do that for our life. It's uh, going to cover some areas of looking into areas that uh, maybe in our lives that maybe we need God to come and help us a little bit today, tomorrow, and allow God to be a father to actually help us and transform us in so many different ways, to let God change us if it would be necessary for him to do that. Remember me years ago, I was sitting with my senior pastor, we're sitting down having a chat and uh, before long, the discussion got to a point where we agreed to disagree. And it, wasn't, it didn't end well, and his time was up, my time was up, so I had to leave. And so as I was leaving the, uh, service, uh, sorry, leaving the office, as I had to do that, uh, I went home, and I was still a pretty bit hot under the collar about a few things. And I went home, and, uh, and Jane said, what are you doing at home at uh, lunchtime? You know? And I said, oh, I just need to talk to you about it, something that really... I'm quite upset about, you know. Anyway, she said, what was that about? I said, oh, look, I had a meeting with uh, my senior pastor, David, and uh, it didn't, uh, didn't go well. And I got pretty uh, upset with him about a few things, you know. And Jane said, well, what, what do you mean? Like this, next minute the phone rings. So, you know, the, at home, the phone, one of those, before the days of mobile phones. And uh, the phone rang. And uh, I picked it up and said, yeah, g'day, hello. They go, it's David, mate. I said, oh, my senior pastor, David. He said, mate, I just want to tell you I love you. Really appreciate you. He said, I've got to go, but uh, bless you, mate, and hung up. You know. And uh, Jane said to me, who was that? I said, oh, it's David. She goes, now what were we talking about? What, what do we need to talk about? And I go, don't worry about it. <laughs> it, it it's amazing how love can cover a lot of sin. Love can cover so many different areas of being able to love and love correctly and love accurately. You know, as we head into the Christmas time, it's no surprise that we're going to have friends and neighbors and different people here with us, in some cases not with us. And sometimes, you know, Christmas can be a, a re-pioneering of, of what you hope it wants to be like, what it was like when you were a kid. Sometimes you can have, you know, uncle so-and-so. And he is Uncle So-and-So, you know, turning up to your thing as he always does, half cut and swearing at everybody and stuff like that. And somehow you've got to navigate through that process and keep the kids away from it. You know, Christmas can be different for everybody, can't it? And sometimes as we come together, it's not always a happy time. Sometimes it's, it's, it's navigating through some situations and circumstances. Sometimes those circumstances are real. Those situations are real. And sometimes they're just not in the room. Sometimes, you know, your family can be overseas. They can be in different places and you're, you're not with them. Sometimes, in my case, all my family have passed away. So it's just, it's just me and me and me and Jane and, and me and the kids. And that's okay. But at the same time, it's very real. I've spent over 60 years in the same room at Christmas time. This year, that's not going to be possible. It's going to be different. I have to re-pioneer that. Uh, but for all of us, it can be different in some sort of way. In John 14.6, it doesn't alter the fact. It says, John 14.6, it'll sound like an obscure scripture to what I'm talking about, but we're going to get there. John 14.6 tells us, 
very clearly, and we talked about it a moment ago. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We understand that Jesus came to the earth, God's only Son, came to the earth to reveal the Father to us, to what God as a Father is really like. I read some things in social media, and I read some things around, and you hear all these different things, and and people somehow, I don't know if they really understand the Father heart of God. Sometimes God, God would do this. God, no, I don't know if God would do that. I think he's a better father than all of us fathers put together. And yet he, we, can't, we can understand how he thinks. But at the same time, sometimes in our shallowness, he's so much bigger and so much better and so much clearer. Would that be true? About the way he actually thinks about us and thinks about people. Now he says that this type of loving, this type of conversation is something that this gospel, he said, I want this gospel message preached right to the end. And so how important it is that at Christmas time, and I know this is going to sound like a little bit of a a tape record, but at Christmas time, we need to be people who keep Jesus alive at Christmas and, and make sure that's real in our homes. It probably is a bit like communion. It's only going to be as real as it's real. At Christmas, whether you honor him, not in a religious way, but in a real way. And Jesus' birthday, people say, it's not Jesus' birthday, it's Christmas. I go, hang on a minute, it's sort of the same thing, sorry. You know, How are we going to behave at Jesus' birthday party? Are we going to get dressed up for it? Are we going to be people who are light and salt on the earth, maybe for the first time? I remember the first Christian Easter, uh, first Christmas, sorry, that I was a Christian. It's hard to say. And, and you know, it, it just meant so much more for me. I wasn't trying to figure out whether it was Easter. Is it, did Jesus die at Christmas or was he born? Man, I'm not sure. You know? <laughs> and then when I became a Christian, the depth of it, it all changed and became very real and sincere. And I realized that in Psalm 147.3, it says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up our wounds or binds up our sorrows. And I realized it's the same Jesus that actually did this and, and wants to work in and through my life. And I suppose, you know, as I looked at that, um, I'm a Christian who understands, I suppose, some of the challenges that we can all face that surprise us. And I suppose as Freshwater Church, we always want to be a church that, that does appreciate that there's a real thing, but also there's an ideal thing. The Christmas can be very real for people. This time of year can be very real for people in a whole bunch of different ways. But it doesn't alter the fact that the Word of God is strong and purposeful and real. And it it comes back to, I suppose, what I'm leading to is our perspective. What is our perspective? What, What do we want to see actually happen over that period of time? Sometimes our memories can get in the road. Things that have happened to us in the past and we're still pigeonholed, you know, old mate, or our brother or our friend is coming for Christmas, we're still pigeonholing the same old way, the same person that hurt us 50 years ago or something like that. Rather than probably taking a fresh look, a new look, a great understanding. You know, I was just watching Lisa and, and Ben talk a moment ago, daughter and and, uh, and the dad, and they're just sitting in the cafe, just sitting there and we were talking. And I thought to myself, what would I give to have one more conversation with my dad? Sometimes it's perspective, isn't it? It's perspective of our Christian faith, how we're living it, what God's called us to do, the state of the nation right now. We may not 
have the freedom to celebrate Christmas next year as we're celebrating it this year? I don't know. But one of the things I've learned that no matter where you're at, no matter what position you're in, do what you're meant to do in that position. Lead in that position. Flourish in that position. Right now is a good time to be able to do that. And Jesus said that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. So Jesus has come to our lives to reveal the Father to us, what God is really like, how he set up the worlds for our enjoyment. If you're not sure if God's real, it says, look out the window and wonder where did it all come from. You think about the beauty of all creation and the perspective that God actually has for our life. And so... I trust that, you know, this Christmas we're able to look over things and look through things, perhaps a different way. If you read in Scripture, it says that mercy triumphs over judgment. And many times we can be quite judgmental as Christians, I think because, I think it's often because of the, the, where the Bible says we're justified, just as if we've never sinned. And when we're justified like that, I think we have a very strong or a stronger sense of justice, what's right and what's wrong. But we come very black and white. One of the problems when you're too black and white in a colored world, it doesn't work. And so the perspective we've got to have is a, is a godly, holy perspective. A perspective that I think when the devil comes in a, like a flood, God raises up a standard. And we think good of people. We think well of people. We're the, we're the people who are the salt and the light, and we can do that. And call people up. I know a young boy... It wasn't me, but a young boy, and I won't mention his name because you will know the story. But this young boy, and he was asked to stand in a photo. And in this photo that, that he was asked to stand in, there's a bit of a lineup of some people. And he was only young, you know. He's like 13 years old, 14 years old. And in the lineup was an Aboriginal girl. And, he, and they all said in the photo, hey, you stand beside that girl. Because, you know, just stand beside her and, you know, because the, the heights and stuff like that. And he goes, no, I won't stand beside her. I won't stand beside her. And all the people said, you're so racist. You won't stand next to an Aboriginal girl. And he started to cry. And they said, no, no, no. He said, I'm not standing next to her, you know. And he goes, stand next to her, you know. And they all got on the track. And he broke down and cried and they took him away and had a bit of a chat to him. He said, yeah, okay. And they said, why wouldn't you stand next to her? And he said, because she's so beautiful. Why do we take the low ground all the time? Why don't we take the high ground? Why aren't we people who, who can remove many of those judgments? Because mercy triumphs over judgment in those particular situations and circumstances. But sometimes our, our, we allow our brains and our hearts to have this judgmental, self-righteous attitude that can create a mindset or a gap in, a, in our lives. To be able to truly love people and love people well. See, I was talking to a person a while back and they were a, a teacher in a situation. And they, were, they loved teaching and they were teaching well. And uh, one of the students played up quite seriously in the teaching uh, aspect of, you know, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And really, you know, dressed the girl down and said, you have done the wrong thing and you should have done this and you should have done that. And really, it writes right, rightfully slow, so addressed it. But the next day when the girl walked back into class, the teacher was smiling and happy 
and said, come on, what a great day it is. Come on, how are you going today? You're doing well and stuff like that. Hey, sit down, let's go. We, we, you know. And the girl was shocked as she reported it to me. She was shocked because the teacher didn't hold it against her. The true love doesn't do that. Sure, it can correct and you can be honest, but next time we see each other, we're smiling. Why is it sometimes the next time we see someone, we're still holding that against them? And we don't see them anymore. We just see that. Because here in Scripture, it says mercy triumphs over judgment. How important that actually is. We had a young guy in our youth group. He was a lovely guy. And he was a, and a young guy. And uh, he came along to our youth group. And he'd had a, um, someone be able to tell me what the right term is. But when he was born, he lacked oxygen at birth. And so therefore, he had some sort of challenge with his thinking. And when he came along, and he, what he did is he came along and he was really loud and quite vivacious in his approach and quite friendly. And, and you know, it, it many times, uh, even in the youth group, he'd come up and he'd hug the girls and he'd give the girls a big hug. Then he'd turn around and give all the guys a big hug and stuff like that, you know. And anyway, one Sunday he wasn't there. And I said to all everyone, I said, oh, he's away today and stuff like that. But it's okay, it's cool. He played the drums and the keyboards and then he sang and he played guitar as well and he played bass. So he's pretty good. And he could also uh, remember your birthday. So you don't tell him once your birthday and he remember it forever, your birthday. And also he used to read the phone book so he knew your phone number. So he'd ring you up on your birthday by memory on your birthday by your phone number. That he'd memorized. <laughs> okay, so it was, it was, you know. But he used to, and anyway, a lot of the girls and the guys came to me one Sunday, and, and that he wasn't there, and they said, "Oh, look, we're really feeling a little bit awkward because he's hugging us," you know. And I said, "The Bible says you're known by your fruit. I can't see any, and no one's ever reported any sexual misbehavior here, or any grooming, or anything." I said, "Sometimes when he he hugs you." And looks in you in the eye and says, I love you. Who's got the problem, him or you? You know? And, and he had a real cool way about him that when he come up, sometimes he'd come up to you and you'd be talking. Like we'd be in a conversation. He couldn't, uh, what do you call it, socially read situations. And he'd come up and we'd be all talking. And he'd come up and interrupt and stuff. And he'd go, hey, whoa, hey. Not now. We're talking. <laughs> Not now. Not now. Don't interrupt this. And you go, okay. And he'd just go off. And then 10 minutes later, he'd come back and he'd do exactly the same thing. And I go, Not now. You're interrupting us. Go away. <laughs> and then he'd come back about 10 minutes later. He'd go, Not now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you realize he couldn't read social cues, but he also couldn't get rejected. <laughs> and everyone say, Oh, he's the guy with the mental problems. I think he was the guy. We were the one with the mental problems. <laughs> Because he just couldn't be rejected. You know, and you think sometimes, and he's the one that had the phenomenal memory, he gets one who could play six instruments and sing as well. He could listen to a, a CD. He would listen to the CD of a person singing, mainly males, but he could listen to the CD and sing exactly like them. Exactly. So he used to put on Elvis Presley once because the girls used to like play games with him, you know, and they used to put on Elvis Presley once. And then he'd sing exactly like Elvis Presley. Like I'm talking, close your eyes, you wouldn't think it was, so, it was, it was him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so he was a cool guy to have in our youth group and a fun guy, but he had that attitude that he couldn't get rejected. And so everybody sort of loved him. And then he had this 
intimacy thing where he get hug you and stuff like that and just took it to home. You know, I used to pray after a while, God, make me like him. Make me like him. You know, and, and his commitment to Jesus and his love for Jesus had transformed his life. None of his family were Christians, and yet, you know, at his birthday party, we had his 21st birthday party, and he didn't, you know, like every person that came, because we had a thing in our youth group, when something's on, we're all there, you know? So there's hundreds, hundreds of us there at his party, and he had a 21st, and of all things, guys, guess what he wanted for his 21st? was a bench grinder. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went out and bought him a whole bunch of cheap uh, screwdrivers. And so what he used to do is with the held the handle of the screwdriver and just put it into the grinder like that. He used to love doing it. I don't know why, but <laughs> love doing it. And he'd have these goggles on, and then he'd be playing the drums for us. And, uh, you know, I thought God help me to be like that. Help me to have that level of conviction. You know, but, but I think you, I think at the end of the day, your compassion has a lot to do with your capacity. The depth of compassion you have for people and for God has a lot to do with your capacity. I say sometimes, God, I can't do this. I, you know, I lack. And I say, God, help me be a loving person. Help me be like Jesus. Come on, is that our prayer? Help me, God, if you've come to reveal the Father, show me how so much God loves the world. Because God, if I can have that love in me to be able to love someone unconditionally like he loved people unconditionally, I think that would be a great goal for my life, don't you? <laughs> Some people, <laughs> and, and so therefore, in James, and I'm just recapping, it says, James, mercy triumphs over judgment. Being able to care for people in such a way that really you lay down your life for them. It's not. It's not like the. If I can use an old term, it's sometimes not the groove in our record. It, it seems right. Well, we judge people. We don't. They do the wrong thing and stuff. But God sort of goes, I've got a better way actually. That you don't need to get all wound up and cranky and anxious and judgmental. He said, My mercy triumphs over judgment. So, have you learned that sort of thing? So, you have a capacity then to be able to love people and care for people. I think what it does in our nation, and we we're talking about it last night at dinner, weren't we? But in our nation today, that one of the great joys we've had in our nation, I don't know if you've been aware of it, but in the joys in our nation is being able to have Christian values in our nation that has built such an atmosphere of peace in our nation that sometimes we don't associate it back to the Christian values. Don't lie, don't flog stuff, don't cheat. What would it be in our nation if, you know, we're always just challenged in our nation? But we've, we've, we find that Australia is a great peaceful nation. But friend, I think that peace is on the take at the moment. It's up for grabs a little bit. But let's not have to lose something before we realize the value of something. I talked about that last week and how important it is to have peace in our marriages, to peace in our homes, and peace in our nation. So it's not that, that fear not to let our children out. There's not a fear to be able to do it's not a fear to be able to do that. But it, the, the stand is probably right now. The time is right now for us to be able to stand up and be strong about it. We can't blame another generation for what's now. What we've got to do is take on what is, we're responsible for as this generation and how important that actually is to be able to do that. I think the hippies almost had it a bit right. Peace. Uh-huh. 
they had the make love not peace, but I don't, we won't. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe go that far. But how important it is to be able to be people who have the value of peace by having the Prince of Peace in your heart. One of the you know biggest um, you know we respect and appreciate Noel. I think probably only Noel here is a fought in the Vietnam War. Is anyone else fought in the Vietnam War? Uh, we appreciate and value Noel and honour that. My cousin led the biggest opposition or biggest peace move in Australia in those years where the Burke Street in Melbourne, I've got photos of a Burke Street of Melbourne, was totally lined from one end to the other with objectors to the Vietnam War. And he led that. He used to come to our house sometimes. He was only there for like 10 minutes and he was being followed and, and chased. And so he'd hang out there. John had long hair and stuff like that, hung out in our house for a while, and then he'd go to another house, and he'd go to another place. He'd hide out at his mums and dads for a while, and then he'd go, and uh, so on and so forth. After where the war finished, he uh, was involved with business, went overseas and came back in a box. They got him overseas, you know, as an objector for peace in Australia, wanting to have peace and not have a war that was based on pol politics. And today, we, we're people who are salt and light that have a job to do. I want to show a little clip today about some effort that's been put in in another country that is under incredible oppression that wants to perhaps move into our country one day and take the peace that Jesus has given our land. And this is the effort that the people who live under that regime have put in. Most of these people who have put this effort in in this regime are only 20 and 30 years old. And they're looking after hundreds of thousands of people in their life group and caring for them. Can we take a look at that clip? I just want to show it. American guy goes to China to try and help. Sort of brings a level of conviction, doesn't it, what's possible around our lives, doesn't it? You know, the joy of today as we head into Christmas time is not just to remember again, you know, I don't want to sound like a crack record how many presents we're getting or not getting. But the biggest challenge we face this year is really where our nation is at, where the world is at. The world has never been in this position before. Neither have we. And to navigate through in this time is not just a, a time to throw cheaply around, I suppose, the reason why we're together. And to take advantage of that time in Jesus' name and be able to be a person who can perhaps forgive and forget and move on. So we're not stuck in things that have happened in the past. I was saying, preaching there a while back, I said, you know, sometimes you've got to put your rocks down. Some people carry rocks around ready to throw it at the next person who does them wrong, looking for an opportunity and they sure come. The thing you feared the most will come upon you. Sometimes it's, we've got these rocks, you know, we've got people in boxes and cages and judgments and all sorts of stuff and we're going to be able to be people who go, I'm not going to be held bound like that if I don't have to be. And Jesus made it very clear when he revealed the Father to us that God our Father doesn't want us to be like that either. Do you want your kids to be anxious and carrying rocks around, ready to throw it at people, hurt people? And God doesn't want his kids like that either. 
So what do you do with those rocks? I reckon the best thing to do is to say, God, here's my rock. Take it. Take it away so I'm not that person. I don't want to be that person. I don't need to be that guy. God, if I've got a rock in my other hand or wherever it might be, I might have a couple. God, take my rocks. Here they are. Empty my hands of those things. And God, put right what needs to be right. You might need to pray a bit more. You might need to think church is for me. I need to find myself in the house of God. But more so, I think it is like this guy. God, give me a perspective. Give me a perspective. Those young girls having hundreds of thousands of people in their life groups, caring for millions, 20 million people, just, just as, what does it say, 23 people or something were there? It's 20 million people. Imagine if we got this section here and say so this section here is representing 20 million people. You're the pastors of 20 million people in an underground church in a communist country where you can be killed for your faith or locked in prison. That's a risk, hey? They were just three years by coming to that conference. More than 10 years if they get caught. That's a big thing, isn't it? Perspective. And say, God, with all the freedom you've given us in our nation, let's not be people that just let that freedom ebb away or inch away. Oh, hang on a minute, Pastor Still, I've got to spend another 10 minutes on Facebook. Yeah, that 10 minutes could have been the 10 minutes that you needed that you don't have anymore. Let's be aware of what God's doing in our land as we wrap up today. Let's so we can be co-workers with God. So God, I can be so aware of what you're doing. God, if we need to train up soldiers like Vic's talking about, let's get our kids. Oh, I don't know if it's big. I've got to drive on Friday night. No, we train up soldiers. God's wanting to train up soldiers. How do I get my kids involved with that? How How do I do that? What's that look like for me? Father, we thank you today. One of the passions we have, God, is in John 3, it says that you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. It means, God, that you're the God of the second chance. Always, God, to shake and to help us be all you've called us to be, the, the, the God that is so powerful for us to know that. And when we lay hands on the sick and when we speak to people, we're not backward in coming forward. We're, we're people that can keep short accounts with people so we can truly love them when we're there with them appreciate the value and the time we have with them God we just thank you we can laugh and enjoy each other's company help us we pray Father live those moments help us with those times help us know what we've got to do today tomorrow for you In Jesus' name, we thank you for that. Help us put things in perspective, that you are the Prince of Peace, and we want to see that happen for our nation. But we're the light and the salt. We're the examples. We're the ones who set the tone for that. Help us, we pray today. Go out of this place sharper than when we came in, more able, more willing, more ready when we first came in. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.